Hello, and thank you for choosing KMIH 88.9 The Bridge for your radio broadcast this morning. Natalie Newcomb, an on-air host at Northwest Public Broadcasting and a senior at Washington State University majoring in communications, joins us today to give us insider knowledge on how to succeed in one of the world's most competitive industries, the media business. Natalie Newcomb was a guest speaker at my radio broadcasting course at Mercer Island High School a few weeks ago, and I was immediately inspired that someone so close to my age was already achieving so much in this dream career. We had to postpone the interview a few minutes because Natalie had just sprained her ankle and was bandaging it up. I was more than willing to reschedule, but hardworking Natalie insisted on sharing her specialist tips. So. While she rested her injured limb and I sat at my desk where, at one point, a landscape crew interfered in the background with their leaf blowers, she dished the details. In under an hour, Natalie gives us the lowdown of everything you need to know to make it as a radio or media personality. This is seriously a rare and fortunate opportunity, and to hear her professional advice, stay tuned. I'm your host, Katherine Grady, and this is the Fireside Broadcast. Hi, Natalie. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for meeting with me. Okay, well, thanks. I know we haven't talked much in person, but you came to speak at my radio class, and you talked a lot about your interview. I think it was with your grandmother, and just how to be a successful radio personality, and I thought that was really interesting because... I want to go into the media field with broadcasting and journalism. So I was wondering if I could just maybe ask you some questions and record it for an episode on my podcast, just because I know a lot of other students in my radio class like to listen to it. So then we could kind of learn from you further and just see how to become successful radio folk. (laughs) Yeah, of course. That sounds great. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I mentioned this in the text, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I'm not quite a professional, so oh, um, I definitely I definitely have had my fair share of internships, um, but if it's on that, and um, I will definitely give the knowledge that I have, so. <laughs> great, thanks. So, how did you get into radio and broadcasting? Yeah, so, um... Essentially, I was really lucky that I knew exactly what I wanted to do from a really, really young age, and I know that that's not something that most people have. Um, In fact, most of my friends, even if they pick a major, they still don't know exactly what they want to do, so I was really lucky with that, and so how it all started was... um, when I was younger, there was, um, I was in Japan with my grandmother watching TV, and there was this woman who was kind of, um, she was a celebrity, but um, I really loved the role that she held where, sorry, excuse me, um, where yeah. she was kind of just delegating the TV program, and I always thought that was like a really cool role, because she got to still participate in things, but she also was professional and was just really cool and I remember pointing at her um at the tv and looking at my grandma and saying oh my gosh I want to be like her Mm -hmm. and my grandma goes don't do that she's a celebrity you never know when she's gonna 
like burn out and mm. not see her anymore and she goes but if you like that role of hosting things and doing mc stuff why don't you do news reporting and be an anchor and that was the first time when i really like learned about that role and then um it was a few months later when i had to come back to the states um i was watching tv with my father and i kind of have a weird so my mother's Japanese and my father is American and he speaks mm -hmm. no English mm -hmm. and so the one rule that was at my house was that I wasn't allowed to watch any English TV oh. unless my father was watching it and my father is a big news junkie and so he was just watching local um TV news because that's his thing to watch mm -hmm. and um that was when I saw Laurie Matsukawa from former King 5 um, mm -hmm. news anchor and she was the first first person that I saw who looked like me, sounded like me, and was on TV and was oh, speaking nice English. Yeah, and because like, because I had, I watch a lot of Japanese TV, like, it wasn't like, oh, it was somebody of color, it was the fact mm -hmm. that it was somebody who looked like me and was speaking English, mm -hmm. and it wasn't like she was have had an accent, like, it was her native language, and I just remember that really, really clearly. And then um, in 2011, when the um, big tsunami that hit northern oh, Japan, I remember sitting upstairs with my mom watching TV, and then all of a sudden this breaking news thing comes on, and it automatically switches to the news, and immediately you can see there's the waves are starting mm -hmm. to come in. And I remember running downstairs to my father and going, oh my God, there's a tsunami happening. And immediately, and he was watching The Simpsons or something, and mm -hmm. immediately he changed the channel and we were, we were just sitting in front of it, wow. the TV watching CNN, trying to figure out what was going on. And I very clearly remember, I, I, I very distinctly remember being, it wasn't a shock, but mm -hmm. I remember the fact that we immediately switched the news and realizing of, how much people really do rely on the news in mm. times of crisis like that. And then people, and then we were, there was lots of footage from the helicopters. And I remember looking at my mom and going, those people, they're just sitting in the helicopters watching them. Why aren't they doing yeah. anything? And my mom goes, what are you saying? Like, they are part of the rescue effort. Oh. They're part of the people that are calling into those command centers saying, hey, there's a person on top of this oh. um, house and stuff. And so that was when I realized that, you know, um, news reporting, it's not just um, mm -hmm. telling you the weather today, which is important, mm -hmm. but also that they're also first responders in that way. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I realized I wanted to go into media. And then how I got into radio was I knew that I wanted to do something in it. And I got to the high school and um, the radio class was just there. And that was before Joe came through. It, I didn't even know that the radio station existed until I got there. Mm -hmm. And most of the school didn't even know that it existed either. Everybody just saw the window with a microphone mm -hmm. that you can see from the lunchroom. And it was mm -hmm. just an area yeah. that nobody was on air with. So, and I took the class and from there it's history. So, wow. Yeah. It's really cool you have those like concrete examples that you can look back on. When you realized you wanted to go into media, was it to pursue this like civic duty or just kind of a mix or maybe you just wanted to be on the air? Um, Like what kind of stories do you like telling, I guess? 
So I would say it's a little bit of a mix of things. So my father, he's a lawyer and my mother is a teacher. So um, all of my family members, they all do work that has to do with the community. Mm -hmm. And I've never, like my parents have never said anything about like what kind of job I should do. But I also, the reason why I admired their positions was because it was always something that was helping the community. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to do something that was going to help, which I think is why I was so attracted to the whole of, I think that's why I was attracted to the fact that immediately when the breaking news came in from the tsunami, like it was immediately to the news Mm -hmm. and there was like a sense of panic, but there was also a sense of calmness because we knew that any information was going to be coming out of that TV. And that was when I learned of how important and how much people relied on Mm -hmm. information like that. Um, But the other thing too is, again, like my father is a big news junkie, like in the car, always NPR was playing. We didn't do Mm -hmm. play anything but NPR in the car. And in the kitchen, always NPR is always playing. Mm -hmm. And the downstairs TV is always playing some type of news channel. So I think Mm -hmm. it was just mostly exposure there. so, yeah, I think it would be a mix of just, mm-hmm. it was just always there, and also okay. a little bit of a sense of civic duty. It seems also kind of like wanting to help the world, but doing something where, like your grandmother said, you don't burn out, but doing something that you enjoy. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, my cousins, they're doctors, and so I'm the, I'm the black sheep that didn't become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, like, I'm not courageous enough. I don't like blood that much, so no, I knew that being a doctor wasn't my thing. I'm too scared to be a police officer or something mm, like that, and I definitely would be a horrible fireman or <laughs> firewoman, I guess. So that was the other thing, too, is that real first responders, I knew I couldn't do. So when I looked around to see of like what is something that I can do for my community, that was just the thing that seemed the most appealing to me and also a way that I could give back. The other thing too is I love talking. <laughs> when I was younger, that wasn't exactly the case because I was a little bit more shy. But now that um, talking is my job, I've learned that I really do enjoy talking to people. And, you know, I get I get paid to talk and I get mm-hmm. paid to talk to people and tell their stories. So it was kind of just the perfect mix. <laughs> well, that's great. That's really sweet. So how, now that you're in the field, how do you keep your unique character, your unique goals, how do you stand out? Because this is a tough, the whole media field is a really competitive industry. This is kind of a complex question, but balance the, balance the need to help the world and also not burn out and, and pursue your own desires but do so in a way where you stand out and are able to have your time on the field and, I don't know, be a unique host. I'm You are, but um, <laughs> does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, that's a hard question. I will say I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing, the one thing this pandemic has taught me is burnout. <laughs> yeah. The news. Um, along with being 
I'm also a politics junkie, so mm. my thing is late night comedy. I love late oh, night comedy. That's one of the ways that I can consume the news without it being too aggressive and also yeah, not feeling like, like I'm at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I with this pandemic, I used to refuse to go to bed until I watched Stephen Colbert at night, except <laughs> during this entire pandemic. And it's not until about a month ago that I was able to watch the late night comedy again because it wasn't funny anymore like Mm -hmm. like we would like you would have politics of people talking about like the affordable care act and stuff and yeah like when people don't have health care that can lead to serious health problems and also people not getting the medic medication that they need and a result of dying Mm -hmm. but it was still Mm -hmm. like a cause and effect um, and there were still multiple layers in it, but this was the first time where there is literally a disease that is going through and killing people, and mm-hmm. the jokes weren't funny anymore because yeah. they weren't jokes. It's literally dying. And seeing that both of my parents are in the high risk group, and so it seemed it was just too personal. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I live in a college town, and at one point in September, we were listed in the top three. Um, highest COVID cases and it wasn't funny anymore and so so like hopefully like there's not another pandemic again and thankfully we're nearing we're seeing the light Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end of the tunnel here Um, but I'm still trying to figure out like if I had to redo this pandemic I couldn't tell you how I would deal with that burnout because um going to work was really hard and that was the first time where I really wondered if I was going to be able to continue doing this Mm. um but at least regarding trying to figure out how to be myself in this was um I did a story um with um KUOW on um three boys who were living together and one of them got COVID and managed not to spread it because they were using masks inside their house and the way that I would say is to keep to keep myself from not burning out but also keep myself like on the field and being unique is finding the story that I could tell and so it was I'm living in a college town nobody is social distancing yeah I don't even live on Greek Road but I can still hear the parties that are echoing through the night and so within that chaos the way that I was able to control it, at least for myself, was to be able to find a story that only I could tell because it oh, happened okay. to be that one of the um, one of the guys who's in in the photo um, of the three roommates was a friend of mine, and oh, so wow. it was being able to find a story that I can tell, but had not a positive because in the end um one of the boys does say i'm sure we're going to see another spike which Mm. we did see at the beginning of the year luckily wsu handled it pretty well um but i was able to find a story that only i could tell and i always try to find stories that only i can tell um and then also have information in there that was going to help people and especially with the college community we're not in the group that's likely to die. Mm-hmm. Um, we might get flu symptoms, and yeah, you're gonna have to quarantine for two weeks, but that's the extent of it. 
And so I was able to find a story that wasn't so close to death, which I think was my saving grace there. So people um, still want to listen, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. And the other thing, too, is college students um, and high school students like you, that's, that's an age group that people don't often hear. Like, yeah. the journalists, they're, like, they're still pulling from their life. They're pulling from the contacts that they already have. So they're not likely to be aware of the issues college students find or see and find. And the big issue that I had was whenever I was seeing um, how college students were dealing with the pandemic, like, don't get me wrong, like, we were not being responsible. That's mm-hmm. why we were number three in the country. Mm-hmm. However, there was a little bit of logic to it. Like, a lot of the kids that were partying, it was within their COVID circle. So if one of them gets sick, it's the entire pod. Mm -hmm. Um, But they weren't going beyond that. And also, once um, they got sick, air quotes here, they had immunity. Mm -hmm. So for three months, they knew that they weren't going to get sick. And that's why some of them were going out more than before. Oh, okay. That's so, oh sorry. It wasn't just them being idiots. <laughs> yeah. That's also good for the adult listeners or just like the scientists and professionals to be able to and I feel that kind of tracks back to your desire to help the medics and kind of be this first responder because those who are listening can gather this data and perspective from the younger generations and then kind of adapt their COVID strategy. So have you found yourself uh, appealing to more of younger listeners or reaching out to younger listeners? Have you developed any like different tactics to get stories while under COVID that you wouldn't otherwise use? Um, I would say, again, like because I am living in a college town, the stories that I am going to find are going to be college students and people who are in my group so I would say that I am pulling on stories like that um and also stories that are coming out of rural Washington um and you know it it, it's also journalists and big media groups they tend to be in the city because that's where more people are and in general stories that are stories and issues that are impacting um rural America are not talked about as often Mm, mm -hmm. and so um i would say that i'm a lot more in tune with rural washington especially as when people think of washington everybody thinks it's a blue state Mm -hmm. but out here in the middle of nowhere where there's more cows than people Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna have a lot more um people that i mean that do lean more republican and so um I would definitely say that um, I have I have more access to different ideas and different stories like that. Um, I guess um, because I work for um, NPR and your average listener is older, tends to be male, white collar. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I don't. I would say that I don't quite have a relationship. Um, with my listeners that are younger Um, but that doesn't deter me away from telling stories because again um, just because it's a story that doesn't isn't exactly about the listener doesn't mean that they don't want to hear about it Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So. so, do you have any advice for aspiring creatives on how they could power through these challenging times like you have? At least, like, with the pandemic right now, I would say, I mean, this this is this is honestly even without the pandemic you just got to talk to people okay and the more you talk with them you're going to hear them complain about little things you know <laughs> um and the way that i found out the story about the three roommates um i was in a um group project with um my friend and i i met i met him um during covid um and he was one of the uh, friends I made um, all my online classes and we were just um, it was probably one of the first conversations I had with him and I was like oh how are you liking um, online classes oh have you had any COVID scares like just general mm-hmm. making small talk and then he just mentioned he's like yeah we had a little bit of a COVID scare and I was like oh what was the COVID scare and he was like oh well my roommate got it but luckily it didn't pass or none of us got it. And then I was like, oh, cool. Didn't think anything of it until um, I think about two months later when I was talking to my editor and that's when I was talking to another one of my um, fellow journalist friends and my editor and we were talking and I had said, oh yeah, one of my friends, his roommate, um, got COVID, and then my editor goes, go do that story. Go go oh, fig- figure okay. out more information on it. So ultimately, regardless, just talk to people. Okay. Uh, be nosy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, just ask questions. And that's the thing, too. It's like most of your stories, it's going to come from just you making small talk or just mm-hmm. noticing things. Um, my most recent story that I did um, – for, this is for my class, um, but I was doing a story on the library and how they were doing a food drive. Mm-hmm. And then as I was talking to the director there, she mentioned something about story time to go. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, oh, since we can't do story time anymore, now we make these packets so the kids, they can still um, have a story time and make crafts and do all the things that we used to do, but they just do it at home. Oh, that's well, so cute. Yeah, and that was just a casual thing that she mentioned. I asked a little bit more about it. Two weeks later, I came back and I said, hey, can you tell me more information on it? Except this time, um, focusing on that on camera. And so, again, it's just noticing the little things, listening, mm-hmm. and be curious, be nosy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, just really paying attention that's really good advice for the kids like me that are starting to branch out into this field doing so can kind of be awkward we're all still learning how to interact with different kinds of people so how do you avoid like the fear of small talk or an awkward interview so two things um i live by the motto that it's not awkward unless you make it awkward Mm. So if they're being awkward, you just talk at them. (laughs) Okay. And the other thing, too, is so I describe myself as an um, introverted extrovert. So I can I choose to be extroverted 
So a lot of times if I walk into a party, and I'm sure we've all had that moment where you walk into a party, you only know that one person, Mm -hmm. so you go hide, and if there's a dog, you just interact with the dog (laughs) the entire time. Um, (laughs) And it's really easy to do that. But then the other thing is when you need to be extroverted, um, I... I always have my press badge, like, especially like when I'm going out, even if I'm not showing somebody and that just kind of validates my feeling of telling myself, okay, now I need to choose to be extroverted. You don't get a choice to be introverted right now. And I tell myself that I have a reason to be there. And so, um, if, so in that case, I would tell myself, why are you being shy? You got invited to this party. They want you there (laughs) kind of a thing. And so um, I would, so if you are worried, um, you just give yourself a um, imaginary press pass. You're there for a reason. Like you're not just bugging somebody, like you weren't there to talk to them and hopefully you've told them of why you're there. And so they're not, if they give you a weird look, well, you're doing your job. They can (laughs) think weird things, whatever. Um, And um, yeah, just, just talk at them if you are feeling really, really awkward. And, um, or another thing too is if you're worried about small talk, people love talking about themselves. So ask them about, oh, how's your day going? If they go, oh, I was at work. Oh, what kind of work do you do? Oh, how did you get into that? Like, just Mm -hmm. keep asking questions about it. And if you get someone who's like, oh no, there's nothing interesting about me. Well, that's a lie. Um, Everybody Mm -hmm. is interesting. So um, just keep asking them, like ask about their pets, ask if they have kids, ask about their kids. Um, If they're in college, like ask about their major, ask why they got into it. Like just keep prying at those questions and get them to talk about themselves. And then once they, you get them to talk about themselves, they're more likely to open up to you. And then you can go into whatever the main topic is. Um, And you know, while you're talking to them, you'll learn something new and next time you need to do a story on something and you need to ask a quick question but you're not able to find it and you need to figure out that answer before you go talk to that expert well hey you made a new friend you Mm -hmm. you can probably go ask that person be like hey i have a dumb question can you help me figure this out and so again just it's not awkward unless you make it awkward and give yourself an imaginary press pass and tell yourself you are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. So there is no such thing of, oh, these people don't want me there. No, 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 you're there for your job. You're supposed to be there. And if anybody gives you a weird look, well, they're probably jealous that you don't get to go to all the different places that you get to go. So, Well, that's good to know. So you're just kind of like being a relentless little toddler asking a ton of questions. Is there a point where you should just stop or you're being too nosy like are there stories you recommend people avoid asking as radio hosts yes and no um you have to be good at reading their body language Mm -hmm. for example like if you're having a great conversation and you can tell all of a sudden this person stops talking Mm. I wouldn't say you necessarily need to stop asking questions, but like, if it's clear you've struck a nerve, back off. Okay. <laughs> um, but also, especially if you're there like to interview them, um, hopefully they're there willingly too. 
so um like my grandmother like asking about war is hard asking about how her best friend died that's hard um but again hopefully they have welcomed you there too so like if you're doing man on the street interviews i would be a lot more careful with that but if you are if you are there to talk about a difficult conversation hopefully they're aware of that so they're expecting you to ask those questions and you know and the other thing too is especially with radio some of the best audio i have gotten was when they went quiet and you can um hear them thinking about how to respond and so i wouldn't be afraid of quietness and the other thing too is sometimes when you do have someone who is a little bit introverted a little bit more quiet sometimes just stopping to talk they will begin to feel uncomfortable so they will feel the need to fill that space for you and that's when they start talking so it's just a balance sometimes um you gotta talk at them and they're gonna so then they feel a little bit more comfortable and sometimes you just stop talking and listen or sometimes you embrace that quiet moment and you you let them think as think their response so um yeah it it really just depends on the topic but again if you're there to talk about a hard hard conversation and they know you're there for that and they've given you permission to talk about it embrace it but again watch their body language like if it's clear they're really really getting uncomfortable back off change the topic you can come back to it later um and of course if they tell you i'm not that's enough for me obviously that's enough (laughs) so yeah okay so what if what if there's someone who you think would be a really good person to interview and make one of those really emotionally provoking interviews they just released a story or they just did something really interesting and maybe a ton of other radio hosts will want to interview them and maybe they'll get burned out or they'll just keep telling the same story. How do you compete for that or not be annoying or make your story unique and hook others when it's likely to be a viral issue? Um... Well, they're talking to other hosts. You know that they are probably have a story that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. So um, go for it. And if they are burned out by telling about telling the story, I'm sure they will tell you that beforehand. Um, and they probably will tell you, hey, I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for making it unique, that's just up to your questions. Um, if you ask yes, no questions or ask questions that those other hosts have already asked, yeah, you're going to get the same questions or same answers. But the question that I always like to ask is ask them, how did that make you feel? And they'll give you an emotion. And then you say, ask them why. And then that's when you get those more deep questions answered and they're more likely going to open up to you um or another thing too is this i mean this is exactly what i did with my grandmother she was telling me yeah like the soldiers they would um like they would quote quote or um air quotes come back 
mm-hmm. in the boxes and um you could see that like and then I asked them I was like so what did the moms look like when they came back and she described how their faces looked and then mm-hmm. another thing too was um she would talked about how when they were sending them off um and she, she was like oh yeah we sing this song tell them ask them to sing the song and that's how I got my grandmother who I had never seen cry before cry Mm. um now not saying you should make people cry but (laughs) um it does you know if if it's the right thing do it like ask them to describe what it was like like ask them to describe the five senses um like what did it feel like like what did it smell like what did it look like Mm. ask those questions and when they're answering that they're more likely going to give you more specific information and if you find something that sounds a little bit interesting and because people who are being interviewed they're probably more focused on making sure that they get the details right they get the timeline correct but it's your job to get those details out so don't be afraid to just if you hear something interesting go say acknowledge their entire comment and go but i noticed you said that thing can you tell me more about that and just keep going at it like that until you find whatever the unique nugget of gold is (laughs) wow okay that's that's really helpful for me too because i have an interview coming up is similar to that so thanks for sharing that so just really keep asking questions and have you listened to other hosts interviews and kind of seen what they've done try to take a different angle or similar angle maybe doing that as well yeah and i would say i mean you've got the best teacher um, <laughs> and like he is definitely the one that taught me the importance of asking those questions and um i also listen to fresh air a lot that's an npr um I, I think it's a, considered a podcast now, um, but Carrie Gross, she is beautiful at asking questions like that. And so um, I definitely have pulled some of my core questions off of that. But the other thing too is, yes, it's important to seek those um, examples and see how other people are doing it because clearly um, even just Joe, he's doing it. He was doing asking those questions before I was even born. So mm-hmm. obviously he's going to be better at that than me and have more techniques than me. But I do think it's also important to build your own techniques. Okay. And I think the best way to do that is if they mention something interesting, you're probably not the only one that thinks that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Your listeners are probably interested too. So go back and go, can you tell me more about that? How did that make you feel? So just the most, and this is what Joe says too, but the most, the best way, the best questions are not the questions you prepare. It's the questions that you find yourself asking after listening to what they said. Okay. Yeah. So So it's a little bit of improv. Okay. So would that be your biggest takeaway or kind of what should what should listeners biggest takeaway be from today um i would say at least regarding the questions listen Mm -hmm. 
and when they're talking don't listen to ask a question Hmm. listen to understand and then once you've understood find out the thing that was interesting to you and then go after that okay it's like yes it is important like yes it is important to have an idea of what your listener or listeners are going to want to know but again i highly highly doubt that you are the only person that is interested about the thing that you found interesting so mm-hmm. listen to understand not respond now that just goes for in people in general but then go off on figure out your questions based off of what they just said and honestly i only prepare maybe three four questions and those are just the questions that are like i need to know for example Mm -hmm. like um how do you spell their name (laughs) like those basic things that you Mm -hmm. need to get um or like hey like jot down like make sure you get a timeline of the different events um like those are the questions i write down but my real in-depth questions i don't write those down because the last thing i want to do is be staring at my sheet of paper Mm -hmm. while they're talking because one that's rude and second you're going to miss something so listen and ask and while they're talking like you can jot down those questions um but don't don't go into an interview with a sheet full of questions because that's not gonna help you okay yeah just make it organic i've definitely found that makes it less awkward which we were talking about earlier and make it makes it more compelling to listen to exactly and they'll appreciate it too so it's nice to hear a voice from someone kind of near my age so it really makes the concept of being able to be successful in this field seem a reality and it helps me also learn how to stand out because there's so many older people successfulness but how do people be successful at a younger age so yeah i yeah. kind of was repetitive <laughs> there success was yeah I, yeah i would just say like right now like you're in a really lucky position because most of my classmates as seniors they are just now getting their first time doing any sort of hmm. real um, stories um but lucky for you you've already got that um so i like i always like this industry like to make it really really big i would say it's harder than to get a one-hit wonder so mm-hmm. um honestly the best thing you can do for yourself is just to be a shark mm-hmm. <laughs> and just always say yes to everything um even if it's not exactly what you wanted because i mean how i started at um, NWPB Northwest Public Broadcasting was um, I was a producer for Morning Edition which meant I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning mm. and Joe will let you know and he will um, back me up on this but um, I had a, over 100 tardies my senior year because I could not get my butt to class on time <laughs> and um, everybody was like "Are you sh- that's not a good idea Natalie but I survived a year and a half of it wow. and so um yeah, like you just gotta be a shark and you just gotta say yes to everything. Okay. Never say no. And I'm gonna be honest with you, 
you're probably going to get sucky pay at first. <laughs> like yeah. I have to know how to work audition. I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, but I'm still doing minimum wage. And over here, it's not $15 an hour. So, mm-hmm. um, and I have done plenty of work for free, but at first it, you can't do it for money. You like, this mm-hmm. is not the business to go into if you want to be rich. Yeah. You'll be, so, you'll be burned um, out really you just got to keep saying, yes, you got to be a shark and, if you continue to be a shark and you continue to say yes and you say yes to waking up at five o'clock in the morning, working on weekends and sacrificing going to parties um, or sacrificing being in the stand. Like I also worked as a camera person mm. and I was on the field, um, got hit by a football a couple of oh. times, but <laughs> um, I mean, but, you know, I had to say no to my friends, and I didn't get to go to um, tailgates. I didn't get to mm-hmm. have as much fun with them in the feet, in the um, stands. But, you know, I get to say that I was on the Pac-12 field multiple yeah, that, games. That, I mean, that's and cool. I get to say that I got hit by um, a football that the Oregon Ducks kicked. Wow. So, <laughs> um, you know, you just, you just got to say yes. And honestly... Mm-hmm that's probably going to be the thing that makes you stick out is you're going to be the kid that says yes to everything is willing right. to put in that extra work. And that's going to cool. be your biggest um, thing that's going to make you stand out. And people remember, people will notice. Okay. So. That's good. I mean, it definitely makes for an interesting life and interesting day. <laughs> yep, yeah. And you know, um, it hurt, but also mm-hmm. um, I don't know anybody else that gets to say that. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Natalie. That was really informative. I'm glad I got to learn that extra info, and I appreciate you being able to follow up with me. I'm sure college life must be really busy, especially, you know, right now during COVID and stuff. So, yeah. It's a chaos you'll get used to. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, yeah, I've kept you pretty long, so um, I guess I'll just sign off, but um yeah thanks again and i hope your ankle feels better well i'm glad that it was helpful (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me and again like if there's any other questions or um anything like that just shoot me a text will do for sure (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah all right have a great rest of your weekend thank you you too thanks (laughs) to recap noticing the little things is key Be curious, ask questions, even if that means sometimes, as she says, being nosy. But then, at the same time, maybe stop to talk. Listen. Say yes to everything and be brave. It's only awkward if you make it so. Even if you have to wake up at 5am or have 100 plus tardies, if you're doing it because you love it, it'll pay off. You are unique, so captivate your audience and keep the airwaves energetic by telling a story you and only you can tell, focusing on how did that make you feel. To follow Natalie Newcomb, find her on Instagram at a canon Natalie. There's going to be links to all socials in the show notes and on the show's website, 889thebridge.org shows1, as usual, as well as the link to Natalie's stories and so much more. Visit natalienewcomb.wordpress.com to read her gripping and emotionally provoking stories and listen to her broadcasts. To support a local nonprofit and the dreams of young on-air hosts like Natalie, visit nwpb.org. I am 889 The Bridge on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
the Fireside Broadcast, along with my other group podcast, Divided, which is a political podcast where normally oppositely opinionated people can come together and converse in order to bridge the gap between different ideas and bring unity to our station and listeners, can be found on 889thebridge.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Now more than ever, please consider donating to support the artists and media creatives that make our community what it is, but especially our challenge during these times at 889thebridge.org slash donate now or 889thebridge.org slash booster dash club. Any amount helps and we deeply value your support. If you're interested in hearing how the Fireside Broadcast is made, or for other voices from this station, visit 889thebridge.org. And thank you to Eden Voss for this gorgeous cover art, girl. This allows the podcast to be possible. She has her own show, The Garden of Eden, clever name, right? (laughs) And is also a co-host with me on Divided, all of which you can find in, guess what? Yep the show notes, and on 889thebridge.org, as well as with the other bridge content that may fit your inquiries. I am Catherine Grady, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Fireside Broadcast. And thank you, Natalie, if you're still listening to this. It was so much fun to have you, and I learned so much. And to everyone else, the Fireside Broadcast is going to have some major updates and changes, so stay tuned. Remember, this is a semi-annual podcast. Not many people light a fire in the middle of July. So stay tuned, stay aware, ask questions, and don't wear high heels when you're walking downstairs because you might sprain your ankle. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening and stay cozy.